All right. Well, once again, we're so glad that you are here with us this morning. Uh, Today, we're going to be looking in John, uh, John chapter 20. And I've got a confession to make before we get started here. I did not write this sermon by myself. Uh, so I hope, I hope you'll stay tuned here uh, and, not, and not give up on me now that you know uh, what, a, what a fraud I am. But uh, this particular message that I'm going to share today uh, actually came out of a discussion with uh, my satellite group, uh, my small group. And uh, for the last uh, 10 or 12 um, weeks, actually longer than that, I guess the last three months or so maybe, um, we've been meeting together as a group. Uh, um, and we started uh, going through something called Rooted. Uh, we have two Rooted groups happening at Westwinds right now. Uh, and once we're able to get gather together again, we're going to add even more of those groups. Uh, but I love this group. I love the insights we get. So we meet every Wednesday night, uh, just look at a passage in the Bible. And this last Wednesday, we were looking at this story in John chapter 20. And I loved the insights that uh, all of my friends had uh, about what God was doing in this passage and how it applied to our lives. So I just decided I would steal all of them and then share them with you. Uh, so let's take a look at this passage. In John chapter 20, And verse 24 says, "Um, but Thomas called twin um, was one of the 12 was not there when Jesus came and the other disciples were telling him, we have seen the Lord. But he said to them, if I don't see the marks of the nails in his hands, put my fingers into the marks and the nails and put my hands into his side, I will never believe. A week later, his disciples were indoors again and Thomas was with them. Even though the doors were locked, Jesus came and stood among them and said, peace be with you. Then he said to Thomas, put your finger here and look at my hands. Reach out your hand and put it into my side. Don't be faithless, but believe. And Thomas responded to him, my Lord and my God. And Jesus said, because you have seen me, you have believed. Blessed are those who have not seen me and yet believe. Now, this story about a guy named Thomas is a story that even if you don't know it, even if you've never heard it, you've probably heard the phrase that goes along with it, the nickname that was given to this guy, Thomas, and that is Doubting Thomas. It's a phrase that transcends just the church or Christianity or the Bible and is used in culture. If if someone said to you, oh, this person's a real Doubting Thomas, you would know what they meant, even if you didn't understand the story. Uh, But I think calling Thomas Doubting Thomas actually gives him a bad rap because there's a lot more going on in this story than just a guy who refuses to believe in Jesus because he didn't see him. And we get a clue to this because of the first thing it says. The first thing it says is Thomas was not with the rest of the disciples when Jesus appeared the first time. If you go back in the story in John chapter 20, just a little bit, Um, You will read a story of the disciples gathered together in a room, locked away. They're scared. They're they're terrified that, that they're going to be killed. Jesus has died. They've heard rumors of his resurrection, but they haven't seen him yet. And they're all together in this room. They're, they're afraid. And Jesus appears in the middle of the room. He, he recommissions them. He gives them the Holy Spirit. He tells them, your story's not done. I have more for you to do. It's a powerful moment where the disciples realize that their story isn't finished, that everything that they had believed about Jesus was actually true. It's amazing for everyone except for Thomas because for whatever reason, Thomas isn't there. And we don't know where he was. The scripture doesn't tell us. We just know he wasn't there. And when he shows back up, all of the rest of the disciples are are losing their minds. They're, 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 They're just celebrating. And they tell Thomas, you won't believe it. We saw Jesus. And that's where Thomas says, unless I see the wounds in his hands and, and the, the wound in his side, I'm not going to believe it. Now imagine being Thomas for a minute. 
Imagine some of the things that might have been running through Thomas's head. I mean, maybe Thomas wasn't as much doubting as he was disappointed. Because Thomas missed the moment. Everyone else got to see their story kind of take a big turn. Everyone else got to see all of their doubts, all of their fears, got to see them kind of, kind of put at ease by Jesus showing back up. Remember, before Jesus came, all of the disciples were doubting. None, none of them knew what was going to happen next. But all of them, but Thomas, get this reassurance and then he doesn't get it. And if I'm Thomas, I'm asking some questions at this point. Why? Why didn't Jesus show up for me? Why did, didn't he wait? Why did he wait actually until the moment I was gone and picked that time to be here? These are hard questions. And they're questions of disappointment that lead to doubt because that's normally how this happens. Doubt normally comes from disappointment, doesn't it? I mean, you're disappointed in something that someone has done to you and it makes you doubt their love for you. You know, you, you, you have a really bad season at work and it makes you doubt that that's a long-term future for you. Doubt normally comes from disappointment. So for Thomas, he's not just doubting to doubt. He's not just doubting to be a contrarian. He's doubting, I believe, because he's disappointed. Because he's looking around and going, why did God show up for everyone else but me? Why are all these other people having all these moments and experiences? Why, why am I seeing people posting on social media about how, how much their faith is growing during quarantine and shelter in place? Yeah, I'm sitting here struggling. I'm sitting here looking for the same God. I believe in the same one that they do. I'm not seeing him. I'm not feeling it. And that's really, really disappointing. I think that's the thing that Thomas was probably feeling in this moment in the story. And, and it, it says that, that he had to feel this for a week. It says a week. In some translations, it says eight days later, uh, Jesus shows up. And we'll get to that in a minute. But I just want you to think about what that week must have been like for Thomas. A week when he gets back and he hears these people talking about the fact that, that Jesus has shown up, which on its face is hard to believe. I mean, if, if, if I stood here um, and, and or, or let's just imagine this, imagine that we all got back together. Shelter in place is over. We're able to gather back together at West Winds. The auditorium's packed. I can't wait for that day. And we're all in here and I get up with microphone and I say, guys, I got to tell you something. When you were gone, every Sunday that we got here together here, just a few of us, Jesus showed up. He was right here in the middle of the room. Like, you would probably look at me and go, eh, you've been alone too long. I, I, I don't really think that's what happens. You can understand where his doubt came from. You can understand where his disappointment came from. And he had to sit with it for a while. Eight days. Eight days of the other disciples high-fiving each other. <laughs> Bro, remember the time that Jesus showed up? That was amazing. Eight days of the disciples saying to Thomas, dude, are you still sad about that? He's, I'm, I'm sure, I'm sure he's, you're going to see him another time. You should get past that. Don't, don't, don't doubt just because of that one thing. I mean, the disciples were like a lot of Christians. We're all pretty good at trying to fix other people when they doubt. And the reason we do that is because doubt is a dirty word in a lot of Christian circles. For a lot of us, the idea that we might be doubting is, is, is scary, Right? It's scary for us. It's scary for other people. In the tradition I grew up in, there was very few things that were worse than having doubts. And if you had doubts, the only appropriate step of action was to quickly fix those doubts. 
If you had them, you had to get rid of them. And they would be spoken of in hushed tones, you know. Oh, we need to pray for Dave McDonald. Uh, I hear he's doubting. That's the way we would talk about those kind of things, right? And then internally, when we doubted, we would panic. Like, oh my gosh, this made sense to me my whole life. I grew up believing this, that God is good and faithful and present and all these kind of things. And now all of a sudden he's not. Now all of a sudden I don't see it. Now all of a sudden things are changing. And everyone around me is saying, just have more faith. Just believe more. Just try harder. But I'm trying really hard and it's just not working because I'm disappointed. I'm doubting some things that I used to hold on to. That's a really scary place to be. And Thomas had a week of that. Maybe you feel like you're there right now. Maybe you feel like you're in that eight-day period where God hasn't shown up. You've seen him show up for others. You're facing something that you just can't get over. You're disappointed. Maybe disappointed with yourself. Maybe disappointed with someone else. Or maybe just disappointed with a circumstance of something that has happened. You're just sitting there going, man, does this week feel long. But it's interesting to me that in the middle of this, we are not told anywhere that Thomas leaves again. That's what I would have done. If I didn't see Jesus and these guys are all, I'm I'm reading into it a little bit here, but I'm guessing they're they're all continuing to talk about how amazing it was to see Jesus. I would have just left, gone somewhere else. It didn't work for me. He clearly doesn't care to see me, so I'll leave. But isn't it interesting that Thomas doesn't do that? In the middle of his doubt, in the middle of his disappointment, He does one thing that changes the whole rest of the story. He stays. He stays where he is. You know what staying where you are in the face of doubt and disappointment is? It's faith. And maybe Thomas didn't have a lot of it at this moment. Maybe he was just hanging on to a little little thread of faith. But whatever he had to hang on to, he held on to it and he stayed. And because he stayed in his situation... His situation changed because he stayed in his doubt and disappointment. He got to see his way through it on the other side. You know, for some of us, we've been waiting so long to have our doubts resolved. We've been waiting so long to see if God will speak into our disappointment. But the reason we don't ever get to see it is we don't stay around long enough. We hide it. We bury it. We run from it. We mask it. We fake it until we make it. And as long as we don't stay in the middle of that, it might be possible that God needs us there. It might be possible that God wants us in that moment because look at what happens next in this story. Thomas, in these eight days, disappointed, doubting. And then it says that Jesus shows up in the room again. He has this way of coming through, even though they're locked in a room, just showing up in the middle of it. And he goes right to Thomas. And he says, look at the holes in my hands. Look at the hole in my side. Don't be faithless anymore, but believe. Now, I grew up reading this story and always assuming a couple things. One, as I said before, that Thomas was just being a contrarian, just being stubborn. And two, that Jesus was angry. Let me just say this as a side note. If when you read the Bible, you read Jesus as being angry or being petty or being defensive or being frustrated, most of the time you're reading it wrong. Sure, there are a couple times where he was angry when he turns over tables in the a temple and those kind of things. But most of his interactions with people were not interactions of anger. So if you read this story as Jesus coming up to Thomas and just holding his hands out and going, how do you like me now, bro? You're a big talker when I'm not around. What do you got to say now? You're reading it wrong. 
That's not what he's doing. This is a story of invitation. This is a story of what happens when doubt and disappointment meet the massive invitation of God. Because Jesus comes into this room and he walks right up to Thomas and he says, here, he says, you can check me out. You can look at my wounds. You can look at these things. You don't have to be faithless anymore. You can believe. I love this. I love the fact that in the middle of our doubt, in the middle of our disappointment, which very well may have caused our doubt, that Jesus doesn't show up in those things with condemnation. He doesn't show up in those things with scolding. He doesn't show up in those moments telling us to try harder or do better, any of that. He shows up with invitation because here's what Jesus wants. He wants you and he wants you to know him more because he knows the more you know him, the more you'll trust him. The more time you get to know him, the more reasons you will find to put your full trust and hope in him. The more you know him, the more you will realize that he is not intimidated by your disappointment. He is not frustrated by your doubt. He's not scared of any of those things. He's not overwhelmed by the things that overwhelm you. He just wants you to know him. And so he invites. He comes to Thomas and says, here, because Jesus is confident. See, Jesus is confident in who he is. Thomas might not be confident in who Jesus is. Thomas might have questions right now about why Jesus didn't show up, why Jesus didn't wait for him, any of those things. But Jesus is confident. Jesus knows he loves Thomas. And Jesus knows that when Thomas investigates him more, when Thomas accepts his invitation, that what he finds will strengthen his faith and will give him the ability to believe. And what if we took all of our doubt and all of our disappointment and just saw it as invitation? And my friend Tyler in, in my rooted satellite group and my small group uh, pointed this out as something very interesting. He said, what if, our, what if our doubt and disappointment is really just God's way of saying, hey, you need to change some of the things you think about me. What if those things are God inviting us just to know him better? God inviting us to change some of our beliefs, to see things a little bit differently, to grow and expand in our faith. Isn't that a great way to think about it? I mean, we're so quick to panic when we doubt. We're so, we're so quick to, to get worried or, or nervous or anxious when, when something we used to believe doesn't quite work anymore. When a place that we used to go to connect with God, we can't quite connect with him the same way in that place anymore. But what if when those moments come where we're disappointed in something that God has not done or when we're doubting something that we used to believe was true about him, what if instead of panicking, what if instead of running away, what if instead we went, oh, wow, this must be a moment where God's gonna show up and God is gonna show more of himself to me. This is hard. It's hard not to be on solid ground, but God's working. He's doing something. What if our mindset was a mindset of anticipation rather than panic? What if we anticipated the movement of God when we started to doubt things rather than worrying that somehow we're doing it wrong and, and, and he's disappointed with us? Because our disappointment does not disappoint him. Our doubt is not disappointing to God. So he comes up to Thomas and he shows him his hands. 
And, and this is really interesting to me that he specifically shows him the wounds in his hand and the wound in his side. Because there's a lot of different ways that Thomas could, that Jesus could prove to Thomas that he was Jesus, right? They could have done their secret handshake. I, I like to imagine that Jesus had a secret handshake with every one of the disciples. He probably didn't, but they could have done something like that. Jesus could have said to Thomas, hey, here's a piece of information only you would know that no one, that no one else would know. Like, hey, Thomas, remember the thing I said to you on your last birthday? Uh, you know, Jesus could have used any number of things, but instead what he uses are his wounds. Or another way to think about it is what Jesus used to prove to Thomas that he was with him and that he was for him and that he could handle his doubt and his disappointment was the cross. Jesus used the cross. And it makes sense, doesn't it? Because the cross is the evidence of everything that is true about God. You want to know if God loves you? The cross. You want to know if there's condemnation against you? The cross. You want to know if God judges you for your weakness or your doubt or your disappointment? You only have to look to the fact that God put his money where his mouth was, that God came here. He lived here as a human and then he suffered. He bled and he died. He gave his literal life so that you could be disappointed. He gave his life so that you could doubt him and still find your way home. The cross is the answer to everything. So when Jesus shows up to Thomas, this is the way he does it. He shows up and he says, you don't need to be faithless anymore. You can believe. And here's the reason to believe. Believe because of what I have already done for you. God is for you. Jesus is with, with you. And he's going to show up in your situation. And not only is he with you, not only can he handle your disappointment, not only is he for you, not only does he love you, I think it's even more than that. My friend Will pointed this out to me last week in our small group, and I'd never seen this in, in this particular story. When, when Thomas is, is, is kind of running his mouth about what he needs before he can believe, <clears throat> he's saying that to all the other disciples, right? Thomas is saying to Peter, John, Andrew, James, all the other guys, look, if, 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 if Jesus wants me to believe in him, then I've got to see the holes in his hands. I've got to touch the hole in his side. That's what I have to do. He says it to the other disciples, but he doesn't say it to Jesus at all. Jesus never hears him say that. But when Jesus shows up in the room, what's the first thing he does? He walks right up to Thomas. Walks right up to him, holds his hands out. He knows. Thomas didn't tell Jesus that. Jesus just knew what Thomas needed to be able to believe. So Jesus holds his hands out and says, you don't have to be without faith anymore. You can believe. If you are disappointed today, if you are doubting today, hear me say this. He knows. And you don't even have to come to him and tell him. You don't have to schedule an appointment with him. You don't have to get down on your hands and knees just to be able to pray specifically to him in order for him to know what is disappointing you, in order for him to pinpoint the point of your doubt and be able to speak into it. You might just think it. You might just tell a friend. It might be those nights when you're just lying in bed 
crying into your pillow going, God, where are you? Why aren't you showing up for me? It might just be in those very moments, but that's all you have to do. Because when you do that, he knows and he shows up and he comes right to you with exactly what you need. The scripture even tells us that. It says the Holy Spirit can translate our groanings into prayers to God. He knows what you need and you don't have to figure out how to say it right. You don't have to figure out how to get his attention. All you have to do is stay. You just can't give up because if you stay where you are, he will find you and he will know exactly what you need and he will put his arms around you and he will hold his hands out and he will say the cross is your proof that your disappointment, that your doubt aren't the end of your story, that there's more than that for you. And Jesus ends this story by saying something beautiful. He says, you know, Thomas, you believe because you've seen me, but later there's gonna be a whole world of people who are gonna have to figure out how to believe in me without seeing me. And when they do, they'll be blessed. So this is my prayer for you, my invitation to you today. Don't be faithless. Don't run from your doubt. Don't hide from it because you don't have to because he knows and he is showing up in your situation. And if you stay, he'll bless you. If you stay in that doubt and disappointment and just bring it to him, he will give you everything you need and he'll show you the way back home.